Welcome to The Cheerleading Junkie. I'm your host, Jill Markley. Today, we are really blessed to have Javis Borg on our show. Javis is an accomplished tumbling coach, cheer coach, and athlete. He has been looking at challenges facing the industry, and he has these incredibly creative solutions for dealing with problems, like inventing a new shoe for, for preventing athlete injury and creating a YouTube channel to teach parents how to help their kids advance in tumbling while stuck at home in a pandemic. Welcome, Javis. Thank you so much for having me this morning, Jill. Yeah, oh, no, no problem. We're really excited that you're here. Uh, with all of my guests, I like to start, though, by getting to know who you are and how you got to where you are today. Can you walk us through your background? Um, yeah, so I was first introduced to tumbling and cheerleading when I was probably 13 years old. Um, a couple of my friends in school were cheerleaders, and they invited me to come and watch one of their competitions. Um, little did I know they were actually bringing me to a practice. <laughs> and so they brought me there, and I, I practiced in jeans because I didn't know I was going to a practice, and I, they just had me doing tumbling, whatever that looked like for me at the time. Um, and then trying some basic stunts. And it was one of those things. I was hooked. I went home to my mom and I was like, oh my gosh, this was so fun. I want to do it. Um, and she was like, okay, if, whatever. And she like didn't think it was one of those things that would stick because I played baseball at the time. So it was like, oh, make sure it works with your baseball schedule, whatever. And I was like, okay. And then baseball was done in like three weeks. I was like, mm, that's not for me anymore. <laughs> it was like an instant, instant hook. Um, so from there, I went on to do all-star cheer for five years, um, kind of like progressed through tumbling and, and everything on my own. Um, and then when I graduated high school, I went to school at the University of Minnesota and I joined that cheer team for a year. And then I was like, uh, this isn't really my thing. I don't really even like football. So I was like <laughs> back to all-star world. Um, where I started coaching. So now I've been coaching cheerleading for eight years. Wow. Um, and then last year, I joined the first shutdown. I kind of, the tumbling coach started as like just an Instagram for me to highlight athletes' ability and just kind of show them off. Um, and now it's evolved into like my full-time career at this point. Yeah, that's exciting. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go a little bit off script, but... Um... So when you say that you started cheerleading at 13, uh, I'm guessing that those were a couple girls that recruited you. That seems to be like how my varsity cheerleaders do it. Yes. Um, but were you, I mean, were you, were, were boys involved in cheerleading where you went to school at the time? No. So my school didn't have a cheer team. Um, I, I grew up in like a small town hour north of the cities in okay. Minnesota. And so it was one of those things where I, I hid it from people. Like I didn't let anybody find out probably for a full year. Oh. And then of course, when it came out, I was harassed a little bit because I'm not joking when I say that people at my school drove tractors to prom. So it was, <laughs> wow. it was, it was a male cheerleader was not necessarily a common thing there. Yeah. So. But it leveled out and, and everything ended up all right, obviously. Yeah, I just, I kind of like to touch on that because I know we're kind of in a similar town and the first year that we went co-ed, it seemed like such an act of bravery for this boy who loved the sport to come forward and do it. And then he ended up, you know, starting what became a safe space for other boys to start cheering in our school. So I like to applaud people who, who do that, you know, like you did. It really, I don't think people realize how much harder it is for boys in areas where 
it's mostly a girl sport, you know? Right. Well, and, and that's, that's kind of what it became to me was a safe space. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. So cool. So when I was looking into you to prepare for this interview, I found so many really incredible things about you, starting with a statement that you made about not getting burned out, considering all the teams that you coach and your tumbling program and the fact that you're also an athlete. Do you feel like you're living a dream here or? Um, Honestly, yeah. So I coach four competitive teams. I coach um, a tiny team. I coach uh, a prep team. I coach an open worlds team. Um, and then I coach a junior level four team. And so it's like, I get a full array there. I'm an athlete on a world's team. And then I coach tumbling at five different high schools. Wow. And then I coach probably 20 to 25 privates a week on top of that. Wow. And it's, it's one of those things where it's like, every experience is different. And it's like every athlete I work with, every team I coach, um, it's a, it's a new experience every time. So it never gets redundant. And Obviously, this is my passion. This is what I love. So it's like, it just gets me up and gets me going. It's it's my my place of employment. It's my friends. It's my hobby. It's my my workout. It's just everything. Yeah. So, do you have a favorite level that you coach? Oh, that's a tough one. <laughs> so, okay. So my. I, all of the teams that I'm coaching this year are brand new for me. Oh, wow. And so it was a, a big learning thing, tr- learning how to like manage five and six-year-olds, but also <laughs> learning how to coach a team of adults. Um, I like each team for different reasons, but I, I love working with brand new athletes who you're able to inspire them and create that passion for cheerleading and tumbling and and hearing the stories of their from their parents where they're like, oh, she is obsessed. She can't stop practicing. That's all she does at home. And I think that that's really like a big thing for me is hearing those stories and, and being able to share that same excitement with with these little kids. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I also, in my gym coach, um, the tinies and then I coach the open team and almost back to back on Saturdays anyway. And it's such like, (laughs) it's a little bit wild. Um, so I kind of, whenever anybody else has that experience, I ask because going from babies to adults is just like crazy. Well, and and that's what it, I mean, it's totally different coaching. Yeah. the, The tinies, you, you just don't give them time to like, think and you're just like this 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 you need it planned by the minute you need everything ready to go otherwise they get distracted and then with the older teams obviously you have to give them some autonomy and like ability to do things on their own and freedom yeah exactly it's wild it's fun Mm -hmm. um okay so another thing that really impressed me was a recent post you made about highlight reels can you talk about that for maybe people who haven't seen it yet Um, yeah, so I think this comes into play for both athletes and coaches, and I'm obviously in both, uh, situations right now. Um, I think as an athlete, you see these other athletes excelling and they're posting their skills and the, the best skill that they caught on video after however many months or years of practicing that skill, but they don't show the hours and hours that they put in practicing that skill. They don't show them falling. They don't show them learning it. They're really only showing the 
30 second clip of them doing their absolute best. Um, and I think that that's, it, it can have a psychological response um, to those watching it. And you're like, wow, why can't I do that? Mm-hmm. But it, I think it takes a little bit of self-reflection knowing that that person put in so much work to get there. Um, another thing that I kind of came across as a coach, this was fairly, this was like a, a recent aha moment for me was I feel like there's this, this flooding of drills on social media, on Instagram, on Facebook. And it's like, you can find 5,000 drills for any issue in any skill. And it's like, you're like, oh, I have this great drill to fix this problem. And then you do the drill and then the problem's not immediately fixed. And you're like, well, I don't know what to do. I'm a terrible coach. I, this drill didn't work. And I think it's so important to kind of acknowledge that even as a coach and making these changes and yes, the drill might be super beneficial, but it's going to take a while for the athlete to translate that drill into the skill. Mm-hmm. I mean, just like I'm learning skills. Yeah. That's so it's consistency in those trainings, right? Right. It's a, a process. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you're right. Like the highlight reels, they don't show the work or the bruises or, you know, mm-hmm. to get there. Yeah. So it's right. Well, and, and, the drills are almost offered as this, like, do this and you'll get this layout. And that's not quite how it works. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure. That's interesting. So when the pandemic hit, all of our worlds changed and gyms were shut down. In response to that, I noticed that you started a YouTube channel, but you had a different edge to it. It was teaching parents how to help their kids, which was a great idea, actually. I thought it was really out-of-the-box type of solution. But how did you determine how to teach an audience like this, you know, their novice people, how to be beneficial to their athletes and, you know, not hurt them, right? Yeah, right. So obviously, this comes back to the tiny team that I coach. I had them <laughs> in mind when I was planning this. I was like, these kids, they're, they're going to be going just crazy at home running around. I was like, why not like benefit them and the team and, and give them resources so that they can practice at home. Um, so what I did was I actually used my athletes from that team who were learning how to do these skills. Mm-hmm. And I used parents who didn't know how to teach them. And I kind of just like taught the athlete and the parent mm-hmm. on video. So it's like, if you're watching the video, you're watching people who are also learning how to do it. Um, and so there obviously were like things that would come up like issues with what we were doing. And it was like a super good prompt, like, oh, if this happens, then try this. And it was just kind of like a natural um, kind of way of coaching it. Yeah, that's really interesting. I know a lot of times, like, we try to tell our kids, you know, be careful on the trampoline or, you know, be careful with whoever spots you so that you don't get injured. So I did think that was kind of an interesting approach was to teach the parents how to do it. That was really cool. And one of my things with that was even if – the the athlete or the parent didn't do something correctly i would leave it in the video because then Mm -hmm. it's like oh okay this is what it looks like if you're doing this piece incorrectly now here let's see if we can fix it and this is what it should look like yeah yeah i think that's great it was really impressive is that when you created the t3 track um yes so the t3 track for those of you who don't know is the air track that i designed um, it was one of those things where, again, I wanted athletes to be safe at home with when they're 
practicing and I reflected a lot on my experience as an athlete and much of my tumbling and practice was done at home. Um, so I, I designed it so that athletes would have a safe way to practice at home. And it also, so during the first shutdown, I got lots of questions about air tracks. Yeah. What should I get? What size should I get? What's a reputable company? And it was one of those things where I'm like, I honestly have no idea. And so yeah. I have this mentality where if I'm like, if the solution isn't out there, I'm going to try and try and create it. Mm -hmm. So what did it take to like create the T3 track? I mean, how do you go through a design process for that? Um, so I have a wonderful assistant slash, slash best friend slash helper slash he wears many hats <laughs> in my life. Um, but he kind of went through a, a lot of background stuff that I had no idea about, like how to contact people who even manufactured air tracks. But yeah. it was a lot of um, trial and error and, and interviewing these companies and working with them and just kind of deciding what made an air track better. Mm -hmm. um, and then getting prototypes done and figuring out which one really seemed to be the best. Um, so, and that's the one that we ended on. So what makes an air track better? Um, so th there's a few different things. Obviously, some air tracks are more durable than others. The one that I designed has a double wall drop stitch fabric, which means that there's like these kind of interwoven pieces inside of the air track. I mean, it doesn't look like it. It looks like it's just like a pool floaty almost, and it's just air inside. Mm -hmm. But that's not the case. It actually, it provides more support and a little bit more, um, for lack of a better term, bounce. Okay. So it's so not tight like a tumble track or is it, you um, know, the difference between an air track and a tumble track in a gym? The tumble track tends to be a little bit tighter. Yes. And with an air track, you can adjust um, how bouncy it is. Mm -hmm. So it, it kind of naturally is able to help with progressions because as you get better at a skill, you can make, you can inflate it with more air. It gets a little bit more stiff and then the skill becomes more like doing it on the floor. Oh, interesting. Cool. And so like this, you can use like outside in your yard? Um, yes. It's one of those things where it's like if something happens out in the yard, that's, you put it on a rock and it... Oh. I'm like, right, probably not, right. Make sure, make sure you're putting it on a nice, flat, clear area because at that point, it's like that's the rock's fault if something <laughs> happens. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. But yeah, definitely. But, and so, so I'm guessing it can also be used indoors. Would this be a good tool for like gyms? Because it's it's actually really affordable too, right? So yeah. yeah, would it be a good tool for like a small gym that's just starting out trying to get equipment? Oh. Yeah, absolutely. And currently I only have the 10 foot available, but mm -hmm. I'm working on getting longer ones, um, larger ones. And I'm also working on designing a, a piece that enables you to connect them. So oh, cool. say for instance, this 10 foot, I kind of designed again with my drizzle kids in mind, because those are the ones who really need those resources at home. Mm -hmm. But then when they get older, obviously they get bigger and taller and they need more space for tumbling. So instead of having to buy a completely new air track, they'll just be able to buy another one and connect them. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. That's so innovative. Like, I think that's your, your storyline, right? Is you're just <laughs> really innovative. So it's so cool. Um, Thank you. All right. So I also saw a great blog post that you did uh, breaking down the back walkover. And I loved it because we have like a, a J1 team and, you know, obviously my little tinies and stuff. And it kind of broke it down into eight steps, which I found really helpful and informative because I'm, I'm a cheer coach, but not a tumbling coach, you know, and there is a difference. So I thought it was really interesting to see it that way. And I plan to try it with some of my athletes. Do you plan to continue with that blog or I, cause there was just the one post out. So I wasn't sure if it was like, I don't know if I like blogging or. Well, yeah. And it was, it was one of those things where I do plan to continue it and I plan to offer more um, blogs on different skills, but it, as I get questions, as I get, how do I do this? That's what kind of sparks yeah. my, my decision-making process. I'm like, oh, there's a need for this. People want to learn how to do this. Um, and the reason I kind of started to do a blog was I, again, trying to teach the people at home how to appropriately help their athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to be able to tailor to all different learning styles, those who learn from watching videos, those who might learn from reading and, and seeing pictures and trying to retain the information um, and going step by step. Um, and then obviously with the air check, those who learn kind of by doing, um, just wanted to be able to make it accessible and teachable to everyone. Yeah, for sure. One of the other benefits I saw in that, by the way, was that like, for example, on my tiny team, I use older cheerleaders to help me out, which I'm sure is pretty common amongst most gyms. But then teaching the older cheerleaders to teach the tinies is another whole thing. So giving them a video like that, it really helped them see, you know, exactly what are you looking for at what point in time and stuff. Cause they just, you know, some, my helper cheerleaders are like 15. So they just do it now. You know, I don't think they think it through. So it's right. Really cool. Yeah. For even educating your younger staff. Oh, I didn't even think of that. I'm I'm glad you brought that up. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So anything like that in mind, I think was really cool. So um, speaking, going back to how innovative and inventive you are, you've created a new shoe. Is that correct? <laughs> um, I am working on it. Yeah. Yeah. Again, this this kind of stemmed from one of those things where when new parents come in and they're like, what shoe should we get? That's like a big one. They're like, there's this, there's that. And I always found myself saying, this is a great shoe, but it doesn't have this. Like this one's super light, but not super durable. And it's going to wear out in five days. Right. Or this one's super durable, but it's not flexible enough. Um, and it's a little bit harder to tumble in. Those kind of things. And I was like, "There's no, I, I had a hard time just being like, this one is exactly what you need. Yeah. Um, so my goal is to make that happen. I want to make one that's that's durable. It's flexible and it's supportive because um, a, a little bit more background on me is I went to school for kinesiology, mm-hmm. which is like exercise science and the human body and how it moves. Um, and so it, like injury prevention is very important to me because I think that that's the best way to prolong um, involvement in any physical activity. Mm-hmm. And so I think that shoes play a big role in that because the repeated impact needs to be absorbed it needs to be absorbed correctly through the body to help with alignment and and prevent any kind of joint pain um and so that's why i have set out to create that 
Yeah, that's really cool. And I, I know what you mean. Like, um, I'm not involved with Pop Warner, but as the varsity coach in town, like I'll even get those questions from Pop Warner people. Like, what kind of shoe do I need? And it's like, it's so hard to make a recommendation, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of crazy. And also there are so many joint injuries, even if you give them currently whatever the top of the line shoe is, right? Like, I hate seeing all the kids running around with KT tape wrapped around their legs and they're, you know, bad because they're 16, you know, what are they going to do when they're 40, you know? Right. Well, that's one thing that I, I like, am very proud of is I'm almost 26 and I'm on this world's team and I don't have any braces. I don't have any pain in my body. I've had injuries before, but like with proper rehab, I've been able to successfully manage my way through that. And so my goal is to have as many athletes be pain-free as possible. Yeah, that's a fantastic goal. And I think you're right. Like I, I feel like with the cheerleading shoe, you know, there was that trend where it was the lighter, the better, you know, Mm -hmm. but there's no support in that. And I'm also a runner. And so, you know, when you get running shoes, there's a whole science involved in what kind of runner are you? How do you step on your foot? How do you do this? But we don't do that in cheer. And we really should because it's such high impact on our joints and stuff, right? Well, right. And that's, I mean, I was thinking that same, I had that same exact thought process because I bought my first pair of running shoes like a couple years ago. And it was like, they evaluate your gait and they like watch how everything happens. And it's like, that's for running, which is obviously impact, but like, yeah, yeah, I agree. We, we need something similar or, or we need to put more thought into what we're putting on our feet for tumbling. Yeah, absolutely. So in order to invent this shoe, you're up for a small business grant from FedEx. That's, do I have that right? Yep. Okay, cool. So can we talk about that just for a little bit, like how you found out about it and you know, what you need to support you there? Yeah. So it was one of those things where I I had this email that popped up and sometimes I read emails from companies sometimes I don't and I must have had the time and I opened it and it was they're like oh we're doing this grant for fifty thousand dollars for for small businesses and I was like oh okay I'll look into this a little bit and then I send it to my friend manager assistant Mm -hmm. multi-hat guy and he was like oh let's do it (laughs) <laughs> and I was like, that is the attitude I need. Um, yeah. And so now it's it's turned into this big thing. And now I'm like so invested in it. And every day it's so the way that it works is during the first two weeks, um, the top 700 participants are narrowed down by a voting process. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, they kind of go through and they pick out a hundred of the companies that they they believe in their mission and it aligns with their values and that kind of stuff. Um, and so right now we're in that period where I'm trying to get into the top 700. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's hard because you don't see where you're standing. You don't even know who you're up against. I mean, you can, you can look and I've done a little research and I have concluded that there are thousands and thousands of businesses in the running for this. And when I saw that, I was like, oh my gosh, we got to go. And so I've just been on social media. I'm like, please help me out by voting. I've been like texting all of my friends every single day calling them. I'm like, do you have any friends you can get to help me? And they're probably like, well, in my head, I'm like, oh, he's so annoying. But they're every day, they're just so supportive. And they're like, oh, we got you. We've been voting every day. I've got this person helping. And it's, it's, uh, it just warms my heart that people are so supportive like that. Yeah, for sure. And, um, and we can vote 
every day. So it's like once in a 24 hour period, right? You can Correct. Click on, like, yeah. Yeah. And we would find that in your Instagram, which is just the tumbling coach on Instagram. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Okay, cool. So we'll make sure we put a link to that too, when we post this so that people can go out and go ahead and vote. And I was just thinking um, in our conversation, like, even if you don't get this grant, would you look for investors? Because this sounds like a great idea to me, especially as a runner, like we talked about, who knows the importance of shoes, you know, would you look for that? Um, Yeah, because actually, now I'm like, very committed to this idea. And I plan to make it happen, regardless if this grant happens or not. Obviously, the grant will help accelerate it and would be an awesome resource for me to be able to utilize. But Regardless, I, I I think the other route would be, yes, looking for an investor or some investors. Mm-hmm. And so if somebody hears this and they want to invest, then they should just message you on Instagram? Does that yeah, happen? that would be amazing. Yeah. Well, everybody starts somewhere, right? We all need some help. But it's a brilliant idea. So I'm pretty excited about it myself. Thank you. And <laughs> thank you to anybody listening to this who who feels like supporting me and and helps me out there. I really appreciate that. Well, you definitely have a following out there because I think someone suggested that I reach out to you on one of the cheer sites. So there are people out there who are interested uh, in your story and following along. So uh, hopefully you get, you get, you win it or you get enough investors to get it going. Yes. So that would be really cool. Well, and, and circling back just a little bit off topic, when you reached out, it was, I was like this giddy little school kid. I was like, oh my gosh. Like, what an honor. And then also, I was like, what an amazing idea. And it it kind of shocked me that there wasn't like a cheerleading junkie podcast. Because if there's any like realm that people are passionate in, I swear, cheerleaders are the most passionate people about their their sport or their life. Yeah. Yeah. And what I kind of found was, you know, um, I'm not huge on social media, but... I was joining groups and stuff during the pandemic just to sort of feel like other people were going through what I was going through, you know, (laughs) is my gym going to go to, you know, go away forever? Is my high school team ever going to cheer again? You know, and trying to find ways to keep people connected. And I noticed that this whole community, they just rely on each other. They ask each other questions all the time about like, even, you know, do you have a contract or what fundraiser do you like? And I thought, boy, if I could pull together people who are, kind of like experts, but people who have really great experience or a different way of looking at things, then maybe I could help more people out, you know? So hopefully that's what this is going to accomplish. Yeah, no, I think <laughs> it's, I think it's amazing what you're doing. Oh, thank you. Yes. Yeah, it's fun. So. Good. <laughs> yeah. And it, it is true. It's like, I know we were talking to um, our interview the other day and I was asking him if he's going to retire and he asked me the same thing. And I was like, I don't know how you retire from cheer, you know, like, I don't know how I'll ever get away from it. So, um, so it's kind of interesting sport, but yeah, you can, you can never really leave. Yes. (laughs) It's just a part of you. It's a part of who you are. Yeah. 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 And uh, I always feel like, especially as a a Chinese coach or a minis coach, I want to see how their story ends. That Mm -hmm. seems, my biggest problem is like when you start someone at four or five years old and now they're up to 16, 17, I want to see if they get into college and they're cheering there. I want to see what they do with their lives. You know, uh-huh. like I'm so invested in the person. Uh, <laughs> I know. And it's, it's okay. so, it's so rewarding. It really is. Yeah. It's a great sport. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
All right. Uh, so one of the last points I want to discuss that I read in your journey to help athletes is that you realized you'd get further faster by training coaches, which I think is brilliant because it's very hard to find really good coaches training these days. So can you tell me about what you offer there and how you put that together? Um, yeah. So when I started the tumbling coach, I wasn't as busy as I am now, but I quickly became um, booked coaching <laughs> the 25, 30 athletes every week. And I kind of came to this realization that there are only so many hours in a day. Um, And I wanted to be able to have a larger impact than these 30 athletes that I was working with. Um, Because I think that that's so important is is being able to, I mean, one of my goals for life is is to create as large of a positive impact on as many lives as I can. Um, and especially in the world of tumbling. And so I, I was like, okay, what's a way to reach more people? Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, obviously teaching the people that are teaching more kids. Um, and so I started doing that. And the, the trainings that I offer are designed for the program specifically. So I'll discuss with the, the coach or the owner or the, the program director, whoever it is, and kind of get an idea of what they're where they're lacking in knowledge or where they want to learn more or where they're wanting to focus. And then I build a custom booklet tailored to that, like a handbook. Um, and then I go through that and I, I go through each page and I talk them through it and allow them to ask questions and I do demonstrations and I go through that whole process and kind of like just teach them each piece of it. Um, and then what I'll usually do is pair it with a clinic with their athletes so that they're able to watch what I just taught them and kind Mm -hmm. of integrate some of the new things that they're learning um, while I'm able there, while I'm there and able to give them some feedback on it. That's really cool. And I mean, I know we're in the middle of COVID right now, but would you be willing to travel or have you thought about traveling out to gyms that may want to hire you for that? Yeah. So absolutely. I'm, I love traveling in the first place. Um, And especially if I'm traveling for cheer, I'm I'm super interested in learning from other programs, other cultures and that kind of thing. And I I have started traveling. I've started traveling to other states near me. But yes, I'm very open to traveling really anywhere. That's good. That's cool. Um, let's see. Yeah. Uh, okay. So for me, um, learning more about you and, and your innovation and how inventive you are and flexible you are, it's really been very inspirational. So it's such a cool story and it's truly wonderful to know that coaches like you exist in the industry today. And if other people want to learn more or connect with you where they should just go to Instagram or is there another place where they can get a hold of you? Um, no, so I have Instagram, obviously YouTube as well, and Facebook. And super conveniently, I was able to get the tumbling coach for all three of those. Oh, cool. <laughs> um, and then I also have my own website, which is coachjavis.com. Um, and that's where people are able to go if they want to purchase one of my T3 tracks or where my um, families go to schedule and book private lessons with me. Okay, cool. And again, that T three track is really affordable. So I think if people are in the market for either a gym starting out or like extra equipment or something in their house, I was surprised by how affordable it was. Yeah, so. and well, and, and 
I mean, for those of you who don't live near me, um, it's free shipping. Like <laughs> that that's, that's always a nice little bonus to find out about. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's a great, great idea. Uh, so thank you so much for being with us today and for all you're doing to improve the athlete and coach experience. Uh, thank you for having me. I It's been really fun getting to know a little bit about you as well and just talking to you. This is such an awesome idea, and I'm glad that you are also doing such a cool thing for our industry. Oh, thank you. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. I hope you found it as informative and entertaining as I did. If you're enjoying the podcast, then please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. You can also follow us on Instagram at The Cheerleading Junkie, or find us on Facebook as The Cheerleading Junkie, or on Twitter at The Cheerleading One. That's T-H-E-C-H-E-E-R-L-E-A-D-I-N, number one. This is Jill Markley, The Cheerleading Junkie, saying see you next week.